Hey, hey, hey. All right, man. I, I'm, I'm usually the most excited. So when Josiah is trying to out-excite me, uh, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful thing happening. Uh, this morning, uh, welcome to the celebration of the resurrection of, of Jesus. And this is... A, Today, all right, we're a pretty somber crowd. You're pretty somber. I'm not. Um, we're usually pretty somber, reflective. We like to think about all the points. I, I want you to invite you into the celebration this morning. Uh, the stage is not just a place for a celebration. Uh, this, this room is because we, we really do believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And for some of you, you might be here this morning saying, uh, you're a little too excited for me. Uh, I don't know if I believe what you believe. I have questions about Jesus. I have issues with Jesus and the church and all these things. We're so glad you're here because at one point, every single one of us had issues with Jesus, issues with the church, issues with belief. And so you're so welcome into this gathering this morning. Uh, what's really awkward for me is going into different cultures and specifically going into like a birthday party. Uh, it's happened to me on many occasions. Uh, one time in India, the most, one of the most awkward things that's ever happened uh, is that was invited into a wedding. I was just looking for the beach with two of the people I was with. We were invited into the wedding. People saw us. Indian people came running at us. I'm like, I think they're peaceful, but we might go be with Jesus. Next Easter might not come. They come, they get us. They're like, what are you doing here? So I don't know. I'm looking for the beach. They're like, the beach is right there, but this is a wedding. I'm like, I see that. I see the wedding. They're like, come, you need to meet the groom and bride. I'm like, I don't need to meet the groom and bride. I'm like, I didn't come to meet the groom and bride. I came for the beach. Like, that's it. They're like, no, 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 you're here. You're a guest of honor. I'm like, there's 600 people. They're the guests of honor, not me. No, 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 you need to come up. So uh, my friends, Alex, Catherine, and I were invited to go up onto the stage and to bless the bride and groom. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. And they're like, oh, no, it's simple. You just take, you take rice and you throw it at them. I'm like, what if you get it in their eye? Like, that would make for a weird thing. And like, eye infection, disease, like, we ruin the marriage. What was really great, though, is Catherine was with us. And maybe some of you know Catherine. She's very adventurous. And we're like, oh, why don't you go first? So she did. And she took rice in her left hand and threw it onto the bride and groom. Yeah. So that's a big faux pas to do anything blessing with your left hand in the Indian culture. And so I was so glad she did it and not me. And she was the one that crapped on their marriage, not me. But I say all this because if you're here this morning, maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. Left hand rice, uh, bread, singing. Uh, I get it. I get it. That this might be very weird for you. So what I've been praying for you, because I have been praying for you, is I've been praying that you would hear about Jesus in a way that you've never heard about him before, and that you wouldn't just hear about him, but that you'd actually hear from him, that he would speak to you about who he is. Because we don't, we're not going to talk about a dead God. We're going to talk about this living being who's in charge of all things. And so we're going to celebrate. That's really what we're going to do. And here's why. 1 Corinthians 15, this is from a book in the Bible, New Testament, uh, a letter from a guy named Paul to a church in the city of Corinth. Here it says, in fact, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come 
can also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Let me, let me do something with this for a second. This is written to the church in Corinth by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul, formerly his name was Saul. Saul was a Christian killer. This was his thing. He was so devoted to God, the God of the, the Old Testament, as far as he understood God to be, he was so devout to him that he saw Jesus and this new crew called the way or Christians, little Christ, as getting in the way of God. And so Paul took it on himself to ask the leaders, can I go and wipe them out? I want to remove these people of Jesus. And now, years later, after Paul set out to destroy Christianity, Paul is writing to a church that he started saying, but in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. What changed between Paul wanting to kill Christians and being responsible for the death of Christians? What changed now him writing to churches, starting churches, only talking about Jesus, being obsessed with Jesus? What happened? He met the risen Jesus. He met the Jesus that he spoke against. He met the Jesus who had resurrected that Paul said, resurrection doesn't happen with Jesus. No way do we believe in a dead Messiah. No way, resurrection doesn't happen. But look what Jesus does. He comes to meet Saul. Acts, book in the New Testament. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Everything changed for Saul. Saul left a Christian killer, returns talking about Jesus. This is what Christianity is. It's individuals against Jesus, meeting Jesus, becoming all about Jesus. Everything we're about is him. Nothing else. We're not into our traditions. We're not into our little statements. We're not into our buildings. We're not into our, the music that we like versus a different music. Not into that. We're into Jesus. That's what we're about, and that's why we're here this morning, to celebrate him and his work. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about his work that we're going to celebrate. So if you're a follower of Jesus, ah, this should excite your heart. It's okay to say like, mm, that's good, whatever you want to say, right? Here we go. I'm trying to give you as much permission as I can. First uh, Corinthians 15, 20 to 22, I read this already. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. As by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We die because of sin. Sin means missing the mark of perfection. We were made to find our life, meaning, purpose, value in God. We gave God the finger as humanity said, ah, we can figure it out on our own. We want to be like you. We should be equals, equal opportunity, everything. We should be just like you, little deities. We all sin, and because we sin, we miss the mark. We're not holy and righteous. We die. We brought death in the world. You know, protests, we protest all the time. No more death for this, no more death for this. Like groups against each other don't want death. We're fighting against death on both sides of the political spectrums because death is not natural. 
but we brought death on ourselves. But now what this tells us is that Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. We keep it going, but Jesus came so that we could have life and life abundant, that you could have value, meaning, and purpose eternally, not just for this life, but for all of eternity. It doesn't end at the grave, that you're really free. We sang about that this morning. My chains are gone. I've been set free. 14 years ago, I felt like I was in chains. I felt like the things that I wanted to stop, I couldn't stop. And the things that I wanted to do, I couldn't actually do. But Jesus, it's like he took my chains off of me. That I'm free. I actually have a tattoo here that says free. So when, when I'm looking down, I'm reminded that, ah, yes, Jesus is the one who has made me free. Not that you need a tattoo to, I, I'm just slow, all right? I'm slow. I need to be extreme. But we're free. We celebrate this this morning. We really do, or we should. So 1 Corinthians 15, 23 to 26 also says this, each in his own order, talking about the things to come. Christ, the first fruits, okay, he comes up as the first fruit of the new creation that God is going to bring into being. Then at his coming, so Jesus died, rose, and is coming back again at his coming. Those who belong to Christ will be with him. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus is coming back to destroy death. There's a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah named after Isaiah, the prophet. In Isaiah chapter 25, it's one of my favorite texts. I bring it up often. Um, we see this picture that God is going to lift up the cup of death at the very end. He's gonna lift it up. We, the people of God, will be there lifting our cups, cups of salvation that we get to drink from forever. And he's gonna take the cup of death. He's gonna drink it down, slam it down, and never again will death be spoken about. Never again will we need protesters to stop death for this group or for this cause because death will be no more. That Jesus is gonna bring heaven to earth. That's what he's doing. He's gonna do all the heavy lifting of that. And when heaven comes to earth, all our longings are gonna be met. You say, I can't believe in a Jesus like this uh, because he seems to only scratch my religious itch. And that only itches twice a year at Christmas and Easter. And we say, ah, oh, no, it's so much more than that. In fact, this gathering isn't what Jesus is primarily about. He's about filling his people with his spirit and sending them out into the world to be the people of God in their everyday lives. But here's what we're longing for. We long to belong to something that's indestructible. Every iPhone case says it's indestructible. It's not. They should have two-year-olds test them out. They don't. Indestructible kingdom we will belong to. An eternal kingdom. Think about this today as you go home and enjoy your Easter eggs that you're taking from your children if you have children or you're buying them for yourself because you don't yet have children. Whatever your issue is. Um, meditate on this. There will be no end. That's a fun one, Right? I like to do that often, to sit and think, okay, but how long? Like, when is it going to end? Oh, it's not going to end. Yeah, yeah, okay, so we'll keep going. But like, really, when's it going to end? Oh, it's not. It keeps going. That should lead our hearts to worship. 
say, who could keep things going for all of eternity? Jesus, this is what he's bringing back. And everything is gonna be perfect in this kingdom. And hedonism is gonna be pursued to its fullest. You say, ah, hedonism and Jesus, they don't go together. Yes, they do. Every hedonistic longing you have at the seed level is from him and it's to be met by him. Now, we're just wackos, right? And we just figure out weird ways to meet some of those longings, okay? So you remove the ways and you actually get to the desire and that desire is for him. A desire to belong, it's a desire to belong with him. A desire to be loved, it's to be loved by him. A desire to be approved of, it's a desire to be approved of by him. And Jesus has made it so that you can be approved of by God. We live our lives running around trying to get everyone to approve of us. And God is saying, I will approve of you in Jesus. I will. This kingdom that's coming is going to be beautiful. Beauty like your eyes have never seen before. It's going to be one where you're free. And it's not about the place in and of itself. It's about the person of Jesus. Any image or picture of paradise without Jesus is a wrong understanding of paradise. It's a wrong understanding of heaven. Because heaven, paradise, new creation, new earth, it's all about Jesus. It's all about freaking, people freaking out at the person of Jesus. Josiah was saying, oh, we're going to celebrate and party and I'm so excited. It's not because he loves, you know, beating a drum and like strumming a guitar and other stuff he does, you know, very talented, right? It's not for that. It's because of Jesus. And so like he beats a drum for Jesus and plays the guitar for Jesus and I'm not as gifted as him, so I just talk. I just talk about Jesus because this is my way of worshiping him, that you, Jesus, get all of the glory of why we're here. It's all for you. It's all for him. And lastly, 1 Corinthians 15, 47 to 49, the first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born or born the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. When Jesus returns, when he comes back, when we see Jesus face to face, you are gonna be just like Jesus. Do you get that? It'd be just like Jesus. Like you won't be able to sin anymore. You won't be able to fight against him anymore. You won't even have the desire to do it. You won't be able to die. You won't be able to be in danger. These these things amaze me. We will be just like him, but right now, while we're here, the Spirit of God is transforming us in this moment to be like Jesus. I mean, that's profound, because I know how busted up I am. I know the mistakes I make. I know the sins that I struggle with. I know, I know me, and I don't have like this, this great outlook on me. I, I know who I am left to myself. But the spirit of God is transforming me and transforming all of his people to be more and more like Jesus. And that is a reason to celebrate. That Jesus is more committed to you being changed to be like him than you are. You're like, I'm really religious. So Jesus is more so. Well, I showed up on Easter. Well, Jesus shows up every day. And every Sunday, just so you know, you're like, ah, it's a lot about resurrection. Everything hinges on the resurrection. We talk about resurrection every week. In my house, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus every day because we really believe that everything hinges on the resurrection. Listen to this quote by 
Timothy Keller, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his being Jesus's teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. This is the issue that everything hinges on. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, then everything breaks down. Okay, so I've set us up with like, man, we're gonna party, we're gonna celebrate at our house today. We, I went to the store and bought more hot wings. Um, okay, let me just get my stuff on the table, all right, with Easter. Growing up, didn't love Jesus, okay, but my parents did. And every day or every Easter, we'd come home. I had this basket full of candy, right? I was content with that being my Easter dinner. Instead, we had like ham and potatoes and peas. I'm like, how do I get excited about Easter with this? Like, let's just finish through this and get to that. So I made this weird pact with myself, and my wife bought into it as well, that our Easter should be like hot wings and taquitos and pizza and beer not for the children. Um, we water down their wine, okay? No, uh, just joking. For any of you who are like, oh, I'm gonna report this guy, all right? There's juice, maybe. Maybe there, that's definitely watered down every time, all right? But we wanna celebrate. We wanna celebrate because everything hinges on the resurrection. But if the resurrection didn't happen, then we have no reason to party, none. And Paul actually says this. Let me read you this text. 1 Corinthians 15, same text we've been in, about seven verses. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So if resurrection is impossible, then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Now, let me just stop here. This is Paul former Christian killer, now saying Jesus is a big deal, okay? So don't just be like, ah, religious text, like whatever, these people are so dumb. Like don't, don't what is that? Historical snobbery or something C.S. Lewis called, but don't do that. This is someone who is very intelligent. Here we go, verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. Funerals are hopeless. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let me just do this real quick. If the resurrection didn't happen, then my preaching right now, it's in vain. This is the silliest thing you're gonna do all week. The faith that you, we're, we all have faith, okay? We all do, we believe in something. We have a worldview that defines us, okay? Atheists have faith, Christians have faith, Islam, Muslims have faith, like we all do, okay? We all have faith. But our faith in Christ is in vain if the resurrection didn't happen, right? So everything is hinging on that. In fact, we're ignorant and silly. I, you can call me ignorant and silly if the resurrection didn't happen because that's what I am. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, me who left killing Christians to now start churches, I'm, I'm an idiot if this isn't true. Wishful thinking is the only thing that's leading us. Also, if the resurrection didn't happen, going back to verse 17, at the bottom here, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. By the way, what happened on the cross didn't pay for your sin. 
Because it's like taking out your card. I don't have my wallet with me. Um, it's like taking out your card and, and tapping on the device and then just like sitting there. That gets really weird too, right? When you tap it and you just sit and the clerk's looking at you and like, I have no control over what's happening. I, I did my thing, right? They're like, you probably tapped it wrong. I'm like, how do you tap it wrong? Like, it's your, it's your issue, not mine, right? But anyway, it's like, it's like Jesus on the cross made the tap, right? Yeah, yeah, I've got, the, I've got the amount to pay for this. He made the tap, but we don't know if it went through because he didn't raise from the dead. The thing never kicks out approved. We're just sitting there wondering. You're still in your sins. In funerals, verse 18, those who have died in Christ have perished. Funerals are hopeless. You can't say to people, oh, they're in a better place, like, liar. How do you know Jesus isn't alive? How can you say that? We also misrepresent God, verse 15. Again, this is Paul. We're even found to be misrepresenting God. Paul wanted to get God right. You gotta hear this. So what Paul is saying is, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then I am misrepresenting the God that I was so zealous to represent correctly before. And Paul is saying, I'm a heretic. What do we do heretics? Well, back then, they were stoned to death. Now they get really big book deals and end up somehow in the Christian section at bookstores. It's really dumb. Um, but we misrepresent God. Misrepresent God. Paul switched from religious to crazy. As if crazy religious wasn't bad enough, he went to crazy crazy, like full spectrum crazy. And, and Paul just ends by saying this, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You should just feel bad for me. You should feel bad for us that we believe this thing that is such a silly myth. That Jesus and the Easter bunny, in fact, the Easter bunny is probably more true because at least we see bunnies hopping around and maybe there's a really big nuclear bunny somewhere that somehow formed or evolved and, and like he's delivering eggs, which if there is a nuclear bunny, you should be careful of. But we should, we should be pitied. People should feel bad for us. If no resurrection, this is what we should do. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, so if resurrection doesn't happen, here's the advice of Paul. Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. You know what? We're going to go home this afternoon. My house, we don't have enough wings for all of you, but maybe the Lord will multiply them. We're all going to our house, and we're going to eat wings. We're going to drink all the beer and all the wine, and we have nothing to celebrate. Tomorrow, No. I'm not providing juice for you. I'm not for, I'm just uh, like, we have nothing to celebrate. And like, let's just live it up now as best as we can tell because tomorrow we're gonna die. You see, many don't believe in the resurrection. This is what Paul says. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Many just don't believe in the resurrection. Why? Well, how many of you have seen a resurrection before? Uh, we have a betta fish at home. Uh, two days ago, he went sideways, you know, and that's almost there. So like over breakfast, I'm, I'm Jess and her in the kitchen making coffee, flipping eggs. I'm like, hey, kids, come here. And Jess is like, do we just flush it now? I'm like, no, 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 lesson time. I'm like, come here. You know, and I'm like, hey, this is, so things die, right? And like we, we work through all that. <laughs> that's what good dads do, right? I mean, 
we're, we're, we're honest. And so like walking through death and not just gonna replace it with like, oh, look, ninjas somehow turn purple in the night, right? <laughs> not that. So we're talking through it. And, um, and so what we did was we, we went and what well, we talked about getting a new beta and um, went and bought new rocks for it him yesterday, and I confess, I don't clean the bowl enough, all right? Then we found maybe we're not feeding him enough. I don't know. Don't, don't entrust animals to us, okay, or plants. Kids we're good with, uh, but anything else, just, just keep it. Anyway, the beta's, like, moving. He's alive. I don't know if the pink rocks did it. He prefers pink to blue. I don't know, but, like, he was close to death, and now, like, he's got all this life, and he's, like, looking at us in the eye, like, crazy stuff's happening with, with our fish. But he wasn't dead, He wasn't dead. He just got better. Resurrection does not happen. Look at what David Hume has to say. A miracle is a violation of the laws of nature and as a firm and unalterable experience has established these laws. The proof against the miracle from the very nature of the fact is as entire as any argument from experience as can be imagined. It is no miracle that a man seemingly in good health, this is illustrating the beta thing, okay? Just insert beta instead of man. Seemingly in good health should, no, wrong, forget that. Seemingly in good health should die uh, on a sudden because such a, a kind of death, though more unusual than any other, has yet been frequently observed to happen. So like healthy people just die and that's quasi normal. But it is a miracle that a dead man should come to life because that has never been observed in any age or country. There must therefore be a uniform experience against every miraculous event. Otherwise, the event would not merit that appellation. So David Hume is saying miracles, they just aren't a thing. They aren't a thing. They don't happen. They go against the laws of nature. Resurrection goes against the laws of nature because as we've already looked at this morning, things die. They just do. And so C.S. Lewis does this brilliant response to Hume's arguments because Hume is just talking about the laws of nature moving forwards. And look at what C.S. Lewis writes a couple centuries later. If this week I put 2,000 or 1,000 pounds, now currency, not weight, all right? You can't just put pounds in a drawer. It'd be a great weight loss thing. I put 1,000 pounds in the drawer of my desk, add 2,000 next week and another 1,000 the week thereafter. The laws of arithmetic allow me to predict that the next time I come to my drawer, I shall find 4,000 pounds. But suppose when I next open the drawer, I find only 1,000 pounds. What shall I conclude? That the laws of arithmetic have been broken? Certainly not. I might, might, I might more reasonably conclude that some thief has broken the laws of the state and stolen 3,000 pounds out of my drawer. One thing, it would be ludicrous to claim that the laws of arithmetic make it impossible to believe in the existence of such a thief or the possibility of his intervention. On the contrary, it is the normal workings of those laws that have, ex- that have exposed the existence and activity of the thief. Wow. Wow. So laws and laws of nature predict the outcome if there's no change. Live long enough, what's going to happen? You're going to die. Without intervention, you're just going to die. But what Lewis is saying is that the laws of nature don't prevent someone from intervening. That's just the normal way that things go. And here's the thing. Death happened on Friday. But God intervened. This is what we find in in the New Testament. 
Romans 5, 6, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He intervened. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The miracle is that we were just on a course to all die, spend an eternity away from the one we were made for, but God intervenes. God steps into the situation. He becomes our sin on the cross. He wears the penalty for sin, which is death, our death on the cross, an eternal death somehow Jesus wore so that we could receive from him eternal life. So the miracle is that Christ could be our substitute, that his resurrection happened so that we could have this new life. The laws of of sin tells us that we should spend an eternity away from God. But the law of the gospel says that God stepped in, paid our price for us, and has now offered us life in Jesus. And not of your own doing, all on his doing. It's all on his tab. It's him who, who gently pushed you out of the way and tapped his card, and three days later, it was approved. The resurrection has stamped approval that your sins, your rebellion, your destiny away from God, away from life, that's been paid for. God intervened for you. You see, all evidence in the New Testament points to the resurrection happening. And you say, well, I don't believe in the New Testament. It was just written by men or or women or someone. And they just came together and concocted this plan. There's so much to this argument. We don't have time for that. So I'd love to talk to you more about that later. But let me just put this quote up here from Dr. Daniel Wallace. The quantity and quality of the New Testament manuscripts are unequaled in the ancient Greco-Roman world. The average Greek author has fewer than 20 copies of his work still in existence. And they come from no sooner than 500 to 1,000 years later. If you stack the copies of his works on top of each other, they would be about four feet tall. Four feet tall. I wanna be taller than I am. Stack up copies of the New Testament and they would reach more than a mile high. And again, that doesn't include quotations from the church fathers. The argument that, you know, this is just a concocted plan uh, of some, some guys getting together and we're going to stick with this argument until the end, it just, it just doesn't hold up. It was too broad. It was too wide. There were too many witnesses that had seen Jesus that you could have spoken to during these times. And I know that doesn't suffice maybe for you, but I believe that God speaks to us through his word. And I believe that God can use his word to speak to your heart right now. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do that through this? All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That all the New Testament points to Jesus and his resurrection. And then followers of Jesus have been declaring resurrection from the beginning. We heard the long readings this morning about how that began with some women showing up in an empty tomb and they just started telling people about it and others ran to the tomb and then others encountered this Jesus up to 500 at one time. They've been declaring resurrection from the beginning. Christians have been the way that God has been spreading his word all throughout the world. And you say, aha, there's my problem. My problem is with Christians. 
I say, I understand. We're not the most put together people often. Often we live hypocritically outwardly. But the beauty about following Jesus is that we get to repent anytime. So when we see that we're living in hypocrisy, we get to turn from the thing we're doing and turn back to him and say, no, I want you, not that thing. So that isn't hypocritical, that we're turning back to him. But you say, ah, I still have a problem. And I would say this, don't look to Christians to rescue you because we can't. I can do nothing for you. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about the followers of Jesus sitting here that could do anything to rescue you. We can't. Only Jesus can. And Jesus is not embarrassed to have very messed up people in his inner circle. The book of Luke, a book in the New Testament, look at this. One of them, okay, this is Peter. This is when Jesus is being arrested. Peter struck the servant of the high priest. His name was Malchus. Struck Malchus, cut off his right ear. It's like, what are you doing, Peter? Sometimes I feel that way with my children. It's like, what are you doing? We've been talking about one thing. I've made one thing, like have the kids stop doing this. The one thing I want them to do, they're doing. I mean, not to do, they're doing. Jesus is like, whatever you do, don't cut off people's ear. And Peter's like, what? Right? I missed the memo. Like, I thought you meant hit the other cheek, not that, like, no, turn the other cheek, Peter. And so what we see in verse 51 is Jesus said, no more of this. No more of this. And what does Jesus do? He touched Malchus's ear and he healed him. You might be engaging with Jesus because a broken Christian like Peter hurt you somehow. And you feel like you've been walking around with, with no ear. Or you even feel like you've been walking around uh, abused. And maybe that's real. And what Jesus does is he, he picks up the ear off the ground and he puts it back on Malchus's head. What do you think Malchus's view of Jesus was after that? He looked at Peter and he's like, ah, Jesus wants to just wield the sword and kill all those who aren't in his tight inner circle, very cult-like. But then when he experiences Jesus, he says, oh, Jesus loves me. Jesus has healed me. It wasn't about what Peter could do for me. It was about what Jesus could do for me. See, we are followers of Jesus being changed by the Spirit of God to be more like Jesus. But ultimately, you need Jesus. Peter needed Jesus. The remarkable thing about Peter is a few days later, Peter's telling people all about Jesus, knowing that he very well might die for speaking about this Jesus. There was incredible transformation that happened in Peter's life because the Spirit of God came to dwell inside Peter. Because what Jesus does, he doesn't want to organize your behavior. He wants to go after your heart and transform your heart. So here, here it is. You're here and you might be saying, I don't know about all this stuff. I, I hear what you're saying about, about the resurrection and about the Bible and about Christians. And you say, I, I, I still have issues. I still have issues. Well, it's clear what happens if I'm wrong. 
if this is all wrong, it's very clear. I'm unapologetic. Like, I've wasted my life. I want to plant as many churches as we possibly can, tell as many people as we possibly can about Jesus, so I will have wasted my life. And you might pat me on the back and be like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're a good guy. No, I'm not. I've wasted my life. So that's really clear. But if you're here and you don't believe, what happens if, if you're wrong? A rapper, Lecrae, says this. If I'm wrong about God, then I wasted my life. If you're wrong about God, you wasted your eternity. And so it's, it's this leap. It's leap. It's not like I'm jumping into, I don't know anything, and I'm just going to jump into the nothingness of Jesus. It's that you've heard about Jesus, and you're like, oh, man, I wish someone would die for me and pay for my sin. I know that I, I sin. Sure. I know it's me. I know that I need a savior. I know that I'm looking for everything that this new earth, creation, heaven is all about. I know that's me. So you're not jumping into nothingness. But do you take that leap of faith to say, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna bank everything on you. When I prayed my prayer to receive Jesus as my rescuer, here it was. Jesus, if you're real, I'm all in. If you're not, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and nothing will have changed. That was it. That was my leap of faith. And it was like, I had a, a new heart given to me, new motivational factory, a new mind. I didn't want the same things anymore. Paul goes from Christian killer to being killed for the name of Jesus. And so here's the good news this morning, is that no matter who you are, you're invited to receive what Jesus did. No matter what faith background you come from, no matter what belief system you come in here with, no matter what struggles you walked into this theater with, you're invited to receive a gift from Jesus this morning. And it's the gift of new life that you could never earn on your own. It's a gift of forgiveness. It's a gift of belonging to him and his family. And it's a gift of celebrating with a new heart on Easter 2018. And we'll end with this. Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? This is a mocking chant. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what we're gonna do this morning. We've never done this as a church before, always found it a bit strange, but I think that we're supposed to do this this morning. So I'm gonna ask everyone to, to, to bow their heads, okay? We do that traditionally as we pray. We're gonna talk to God. And for any of you who are here and you say, I need Jesus. Today is a day I need Jesus. I need him to be my rescuer I need him to forgive me of my sin. I need him to be my leader. I need him. Everything you've spoken about today, I need that, and I want that. So I'm gonna lead us in a prayer for you to get to pray to Jesus and ask him to be that. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I have rebelled against you. I've sinned against you. I've wanted anything else but you to be in charge of my life. 
But this morning, I see the beauty of your sacrifice on the cross for me. I see that you resurrected from the dead and that you did that for me. And this morning, I received that for me. Jesus, I'm all in in what you're doing. I wanna be part of your family. Thank you that you are alive. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.